Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to talk about some alternative forages. In our spotlight, we're going to look at the SimPass system. Egg History Minute, we're going to talk about Mr. Yuck and his 50th birthday. Cool Beans, that's corny. We'll have some current events and we'll wrap it all up with our Egg Idiom of the Week. With me today are Max Garvey. What's up, everybody? Todd Schombert. Hey to all the Tilthies out there. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. So we've we talked about it last week. Talk a little bit more about it this week. Supposedly, J.J. Watt has narrowed his teams down to three. It was us, the Green Bay Packers, because I represent the Packers, naturally. Owner. <coughs> Buffalo Bills. And the wild card, which I, surprised me, was the Tennessee Titans. Ooh. We said he wants to go somewhere that has a chance to win a Super Bowl. I think that's his main goal at this point. Yep. And I guess I see Tennessee as a contender. I don't, their defense was so bad, though. I don't think I don't think he's going to be the... Yes, obviously he adds to a defense. I don't think he can pull that defense out of the gutter by himself, though. So I, I really think the it's Green Bay or Buffalo. And if the article I read said, you know, he's got the hometown ties to Green Bay, but that Buffalo would be the better defensive fit for him. Correct. Correct. I don't know. I think we, I think the Packers fit as well. Well, like, we'll have a new defensive coordinator, so we'll yeah. We'll see if what kind of does our defensive coordinator if we get JJ Watt change his strategy somewhat. I've, all I you have know. to do is rush. Like that line would just be unreal, right? I, I mean, Kenny Clark, and then you got Zadarius, and you have JJ on one side. It would just be We're, we are still ignoring awesome. the most glaring issue with this whole thing. Yet we literally can't afford like. We are still like thirteen million they, over the cap, and yeah. we haven't we haven't even signed him yet. They didn't finish restructuring with Rogers yet, though, did they? they it, it sounded like they started over the weekend, but yeah, I never I, heard. I anything. haven't heard anything that they they reached. Then it went agreement. to Rogers' engagement news because his well, new we, fiance. So he would was have on. to he would have to restructure <clears throat> to go almost twenty five. He would have to take almost twenty five million out of his contract for this year to afford JJ Watt. What do you think JJ Watt will go for? Ten, ten million. Yeah, I. I they, say twenty five because it's. I think it's nine or ten. They said a well. They said he'd he'd consider because he wants to be on a Super Bowl team. You know, he'd lower his price potentially. So I mean, if they can meet in the middle, somewhere. that is the lower price. I think. Yeah. No, well, they said he could get fifteen million if he wanted. Yeah, to go I think to nine a bad to ten. Team. I think but, nine to ten is the. But still, even like Matt said, maybe hometown, be close to his wife because she's in Chicago. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, all that stuff. Just the endorsement deals he could get in. It'd be, one, it'd be the number one oh, selling he, jersey. I oh, have no doubt. He would. He would just. Yeah, he could be on every commercial that he wanted to in Wisconsin. I feel like. Plus, I mean, he could catch touchdown passes from Aaron Rodgers. So. Right? They'd run him out as like a I fullback. Mean, he's at got. One point he's got like tight end five touchdowns in his career. <laughs> not offensive touchdowns. Plus, I think he's got another five defensive ones. Why not? I'd like to catch a touchdown from Aaron Rodgers. Wouldn't anybody? <laughs> Never know. Stranger things have happened. We're cautiously optimistic. That's my approach. Yep. I'm still not. I still don't think there's oh, I, any way it happens, but if it does, I, I think will be you're the right, first Max. Excited. Getting your hopes up way too much about how cool it would be to have somebody that was a Badger and from Wisconsin come home, and that rarely happens. And when it does happen, a lot of times it doesn't yeah, go tried, as well we as you think. Tried the Vince Beagle thing. That yeah, was, well, that was a different story. I, I, obviously, he's <laughs> not could have Watt, but then they could have the got whole, TJ. They could have had TJ. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yep. 
But okay, when they were coming out of college, who did you think was better, Vince, Vince Beagle or TJ Watt? Oh, TJ Watt was better, but not not as bad as you didn't think Vince Beagle just quit. No, right. So no, and and there too, you didn't think TJ Watt would be near as good as JJ Watt. And like, he's better. Yeah, and he's right. just as good, if not better. Yeah, he's yeah, he's better. I mean, he's his record. They're, they're a different skill set in a way. It, true, true. But either way. J.J. Watt, good for the Packers. How do we bring him here? How, what, what's our pull to get J.J. Watt? Get him on Tilt Talk Radio. <laughs> yeah. He can, Offer him a guest hosting have. spot. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know what what you would have yeah, to... Yeah, if you're Gutenkunz, you wonder what he's trying to do to pull him. Yeah. I mean, I think it appeals to both Rodgers and J.J., the fact that we've spent two years in a row going to the NFC Championship. Yeah. And, you know, make them both... Makes them both... You know, we know they're both hungry for a win for Super Bowl and can maybe make some stuff happen. And it was, I think it was obvious that both times we got to the NFC championship that our offense wasn't really our problem necessarily. It was our defense. So does, is that a thing where JJ can see like, Hey, they just need some more teeth. I can get there. I can make this work. Yeah. I mean, we had some offensive issues this year in the NFC championship. We did, but it wasn't, I still think, I mean, we could not get off the field on third down to save our lives. Right. A pass rush would help. Yeah. I I still can't, unsee that graphic of the most double teamed players and it was jj watt number one zadarius smith number two and yeah. like could obviously if you're both on the same offensive line both of you will not be getting double teamed can you imagine kenny clark like, by himself oh yeah right <laughs> right because like, right. he gets double teamed a lot right. well he's in the middle it's easy to double team the guy in the middle right can you imagine him on his own one-on-one with the center all the time Ooh, that would be ooh. It'd be ugly for that center because he is—he's a hammer in the middle there. And it, it is tough because if we don't get JJ, look at all the guys. Like, sounds like Corey Lindsay's not coming back. Aaron Jones, I think, probably to Miami. I think some of like, that is because we're because we're courting we, JJ. And I think yeah. we know. I to me, we must know something because nobody else is making these kind of. Moves. And we're in a worse cap space than anybody else. But right. at the same time, there's everybody is going to have to make a little room for a guy like yeah, that. I think. Well, yeah. And we're the only ones who've done anything like that. From what I see, so maybe we know, maybe Gudekunst knows a little more than the average bear does. Yeah. We can hope. <laughs> we can hope. The other news of the week, the Tiger Woods accident. Yeah, so, they, they found that he was not impaired, so it wasn't, okay. I saw that yesterday. Just, the other thing I had heard, like, because I'm like, why would he even be driving himself? Like, he, but yeah. it sounds like he likes to drive, and yeah. he often does that. He was so. leaving from, he presented the trophy at the um, Genesis Open okay. on Sunday. And then it was Monday morning was a crash, right? Yeah, Monday morning. Yeah, I think he so, was yeah. going to meet Justin Herbert to play around, the quarterback okay. for the um, Chargers. Char- yep. okay. And that's where, and he was running late. Well, would he play around or just like? No, he was going oh, to play around. I just around know with, that would Tigers hurt. He had back problems. So maybe it was even just to. He Travis. was going to go play around with Justin Herbert is yeah. the story, and that's why he was driving really fast because he was late. Okay. And he was trying to make a tee well, time. Well, if you're Justin I'm, Herbert, how you feel? <laughs> I'm sure a guy like that, you know, you how you play in I, right. a competition versus going no, out he, for, a, for fun. With, yeah, he's yeah. not going to overextend himself. And Yeah. I, it's funny. I heard a, I actually heard a professional hockey player talk this week, and so he played in the NHL. I mean, scored goals. Good, good player. And now he golfs in, like, pro-ams and stuff. And even that, he said he's not quite good enough for yet. And he said that he thinks professional golfers are better at their sport than any other professional athlete. So he says, like, average Joe on a golf course oh. and average Joe on an NFL football field, the average Joe on the golf course is going to look worse than the average Joe Johnny. on an NFL football field. 
or and he said hockey. And think about that. How many of us can even skate? I, yeah, I I believe that to a point. I mean, it's going to depend on a position. Correct. How how embarrassing you're going to be? Like if you're Joe Blow going out there trying to be quarterback, yeah, you're going to look gonna really bad. Down. But I think when he gives a perspective, and I think hockey is one of the hardest sports to be a professional because most people don't. Everybody can walk, right? Everybody yeah, can run. But skating is a different. But whole skating. Different. So for him to say that, knowing full well that seventy five percent of America probably can't ice skate. And when you think about golf, it's not like. There's, no. n- there's not a lot of pe- – you're not using your whole body necessarily in the way mm. that you are like hockey. Hockey, right. Or, but he said so. you would not look as foolish as you would trying to be a – trying to be. golf with pro yeah. golfers. No, and, well, we've all golfed and half the time I'm hitting out of the rough. So to look as foolish, yeah, I guess I could see that. Well, they play Wait. 18 holes with one ball. You're, yeah. You're not right. supposed to hit out of the rough. Yeah, or yeah, in the pond or the sand. It always looks better though when you bank it off that rock on the end of the <laughs> right. pond and it, it bounces out. You're skips, so happy. We're, get, we're getting into mini golf here, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, no, this is professional or uh, regular golf, not professional golf. But I do love mini golf. Yeah, heat wave this week. You could be out mini, mini golf. Yeah, uh, it feels like you should be out golfing. Yeah. Yeah, we're getting to that. It, it does. It, this is pretty much what the days feel like when they get those first walking rounds in in the spring. It's yep. about like this sunny forty. But from how cold it was to how warm it now, it just warm. feels so much nicer. Yeah. Like how mid-40s feels like 60. So Well, when nice. you're going from negative 20 to, right. to 40, 60-degree <laughs> swing. Yeah. It's beautiful. That's beautiful bomb. weather. It's windy, though. If we could get that turned down a little bit. I don't know who turned the fans on, but <laughs> hooey. Yeah, it would have been probably pretty decent weather for the, the wolf hunters. Yeah. Had the... Our the whole, whole three, the whole three day days, yeah. Wolf hunt, yeah. Big, big, uh, big step up for the uh, environmental aspect of agriculture. I guess I, I don't know how many. I don't know if you guys know the numbers on like wolf attacks on, like the cattle, and, cattle and yeah. stuff. I don't. I'm it, sure there's got to be some, but no, I, I know there's been been rumblings the past few years, especially from farmers, especially in the northern part of Wisconsin having issues dealing with them so so either way it's a pretty big pretty big deal that we had this wolf hunt here is highly debated we'll put it that way yeah Yeah, it was a it was a controversial thing but it it happened it's over even how quick it happened right like like we talked before there there had to be a fair number of wolves for them to find him that fast right yeah i would i would think that and to finish even some of these hunters never have hunted wolves before you know the last hunt was like 13, 14, I think. So it was... And even that, that there was, was only like was, 10 tags that year. Or sure, like that. right. Was, they were different than, than this. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right. We ready to get into some alternative forage talk? Yeah. Let's do it. Talks about grass is, and then right into corn. Is so. there is there any... Well, corn is a grass. True. Is there anywhere that green grass doesn't grow besides like Antarctica, <laughs> northern Canada, Greenland? Actually, Greenland. I don't think yeah. Greenland's well, Greenland's covered in ice. Very icy. Yeah, Greenland's in covered in ice. Iceland has green. Yeah, it's very yeah, interesting. I remember that from the Mighty Ducks. That's in that movie. They talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> and wasn't it a thing for the Vikings to keep the Vikings away? They they called it 
Iceland so that oh. they would think it was. I think that's clever. Like, like they would. Yeah, we got nothing here. Yeah, uh, don't just, bother us. Just ice. Ice. Yep. penguins and ice. Yeah, go go raid Greenland. <laughs> we heard that place is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, no, but it's that for- may or may not be true. But. Forage February, and. Why not talk? We've talked about winter our, forages. Our last week of forage, February. Yes, right. One quick. Short month. <laughs> right. So it, it, this week we're going to talk about alternative forage and just how, even though it's got the word alternative in it, are they still good and do they have their place? And maybe do we kind of put them too low on the totem pole of forages? And even though they're alternative, can they still be good? So right, right now... You know, what is an alternative forage? Well, corn silage and alfalfa basically are mainstream. Like, those are not alternative forages. Those are kind of our main forages that we feed to cattle. And what's interesting is just to put in perspective is prior to 1960 or back in the early 1900s, they would have been classified as sort of the alternative forage. So, obviously, back then, you, you know, you grew more grasses and fed to cattle, and it, it was just... Alfalfa and corn salad. Part of that has to be the inputs on alfalfa and corn. Oh, were higher. Are higher. Hundred percent. I mean, just growing corn back then was much. And we were just feeding cows. So why would we grow stuff that's expensive just to feed cows? They'll eat anything. Yeah, more we're on pasture, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, just to put in perspective, is really they, you know, for sixty years now have been not classified as alternative, but before that they were the alternative. Yeah. So kind of now, what's hard to define this is I was looking up, well, what is an alternative forage technically? And really the best definition I could come up with is just everything but corn silage and alfalfa, (laughs) which is a weird definition. But basically, you know, we feed so much of those two that it's sort of everything else. Uh, Do you guys got any good definitions for it or any ideas of what you would call? It seems like we use that term a lot, alternative forage. um, And like I said, it. Yeah, kind of looking at what it really means, and I don't it, know that it... It always does have, I guess, a little bit of a negative connotation when you say alternative, because it seems like, well, there's this or the alternative. Right. And, and well, think of cinnamon, cinnamons. cinnamons. Synonyms of alternative are, like, different, or one I use here a lot is emergency, emergency forage. Yep. You know, that then it sounds like, well, you know, it's Last an emergency. Resort, we gotta yeah, do it, gotta like, go... Like, oh, my God, you're planting that? Oh, it must be an emergency. We have no choice. You know, this guy's really hard up for feed, huh? Yeah. So, and, and substitute, unorthodox, radical, way out. You know, those are, you know, words that can describe that same way. And I, I think those aren't great words to describe. It's just more different maybe works or it's not yeah. the normal two forages, but, but it's still good. And like you say, yeah, it might be an emergency situation where you're an unplanned where you're using some of these, but they still can be really good substitutes when done correctly. Yeah, and I, well, I think when you look at what kind of led to the the popularity or the you know this movement to alternative forages is the upside with alfalfa is you plant it and you get four or five, sometimes six years out of out of a stand. Uh, l- lately, two, well, three, that's, sometimes that's four. my point. Todd. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, that's why we're looking right. to alternative forages because now you're getting oh well. We, we got, got a year and a half. We got we got half of a year in our seeding year, and then we got maybe two more. Right. And that was it. Instead of, you know, I remember even 10 years ago, guys that had six, seven-year-old stands and 
they kept them. And they and were, that is a good point. Is are we just looking into these because it's been so wet and alfalfa has underperformed? Yeah. Um, maybe isn't the good reason to look into them, but it can be force us to look into them because they're they're oh. a better alternative potentially than sitting there with no forage. Well, we've got farms that have had, you know, it since that time frame. You know, since ten years ago, they haven't had a a decent stand that they've been able to to carry through. That's the value of you know alfalfa has not gotten any cheaper necessarily. <laughs> And no. and so when you're planting it and you're hoping to amortize, amortize that payment over, you know, at least four years and you're not getting that, then it starts to hit the pocketbook. And I saw one of those like cliche coach speak things. This, it's funny. I saw it this morning and said, uh, without growing pains, there is no growth. Well, these were sure. our growing pains. <laughs> <Yep>. we, <laughs> yeah. we were hurting for, for a couple of years and we started to find a new way or a different way or an alternative yeah, way yeah. and now we're growing into this space where actually these alternative forages are kind of starting to become a mainstay a little bit where we got a lot of guys doing a lot of different things yeah and it's not necessarily that you've got to abandon alfalfa I, it's it's just kind of diversifying and fitting a new uh i, I agree with you Matt, you're makers. getting into some like these adva- you know why do yeah. we like them what are the advantages and i agree with that is this idea is almost like alfalfa bad corn starch bad that's not what we're saying we're right. almost just saying what other options are there so we're not just when, when straight bad up alfalfa corn. is bad right and we'll look at guys that are just say corn and soybean rotation well we want to throw some wheat in there when you can and diversify that and just yep. add more diversification to that and, and really that's what i think i'm proposing with this alternative forage idea is can we add a third you know crop in there can we add a you know one or two more things that would change, give us more opportunity for manure hauling, give us more opportunity for if alfalfa doesn't make it, that we've got alternative, I keep using the word alternative, but something else out there. So there's, you know, a lot of rotational advantages for manure, weed suppression, erosion control, um, ration adjustments. So, you know, obviously if you sometimes do need actually a lower quality feed, uh, for heifers or something like that, and these have a really good fit for that. Um, some of these can be very good quality rivaling alfalfa, um, but but some of them are not good quality. They're just more getting some more tons in there. Yep, allows you more flexibility in crops, which is nice. So um, gives us windows that we're not used to for harvest, uh, for planting, all of that, which can also be a disadvantage because now you're spreading out your work over longer but that's good or you might need more specialized equipment but most of the time most of these we can do with sort of our current equipment yeah and when you're thinking about diversity in a rotation that's you can do corn on corn for 10 years 20 years and there's people that have done it for what is the uw up yeah now? that one study is like from like 100 years i want to say yeah, some it, of that i mean you you can do it there's but a university of illinois study that they've you know, like it's downtown right now, and there's corn in that spot for over a hundred years. So yeah, it's yeah. it's, but it, it helps. I mean, it it makes a difference getting that break. You usually get a yield bump the next time you do go to corn and wheat. Small grains are great, but there's not always room for that in in the rotation. So having something else you can move in can make a big difference. So the spot to start, and I the more I was thinking about this topic. And to be honest, the pivotal person doesn't seem to be the agronomist, doesn't even always seem to be the farmer. It's talk to your nutritionist. 
I love this conversation. I, I, I mean, <laughs> it's easier for us to learn how to grow something than it is to learn how to feed, feed it. That. Yep. Right. So figure out how to feed it first and we can get it to grow. You know, and, and I would say agronomists in the last five to 10 years have really taken more so they're like, Hey, give me, give me feed and I'll figure out how to feed it attitude. And that has just been revolutionary to me in this space. I mean, even 10, 15 years ago, if you said you're feeding 80% corn silage, 20% haylage in the diet, they, you can't do that, you know, like, and now there's farms that found a way sort of to do that because they didn't have a choice. Yep. Um, but even some of these other forages, they will, like I said, a lot of them are taking this attitude of, yep, let me get, you know, give me the feed. I'll test it. I'll see where we can fit it and we'll find a way to feed it to cows. Um, I don't know if it's, that's interesting to me is like how that started with nutrition. I don't know if it's their software's got that much better that they plug in, you know, TTNDFD and this, and now we can really balance on all these things. Um, and they are adding a lot of other things into these diets with proteins now. And, um, you know, just all the other sort of additives we have with distillers and, um, soybean meal and all that stuff. So it seems like they just really can dial us in better. So Mm -hmm. the nutritionist to me is, extremely critical and crucial that they are on board right. with you don't, the idea. You don't want them on the outside looking in on this. No. If, if you come to them and say, hey, we grew this, you know, figure it out. What they're going to be like, you know, thanks a lot. But if they're on the beginning of the conversation of, hey, we're going to grow this. What's, you know, what do you, what crop do you want? What's your idea for another forage we could try? And I'm guessing there's another farm they fed something on that they say, oh yeah, we've, I've done, you know, BMR sorghum let's plant some of that and we'll, I can fit it in this spot. So I I actually think what's interesting on this is it's down to the nutritionist and the nutritionist isn't always going to start that conversation because they have no incentive to, because if it doesn't work, then they're going to get in trouble for it not working. Milk went down. Right. Right. You know, and, and they, so when they have to experiment that, could lead to right if they putting their job on the line yeah and if they know the farmer like i said if the farmer drives it to the nutritionist or the agronomist talks to nutrition say hey you know here's our idea of what do you think and as long as they're on board i think you can do a lot of a lot of good things and like i said i they're to me the more critical thing and you know and what other idea do we kind of have this cross-disciplinary thing is what i'm getting is how many things in agronomy do we do the nutritionists kind of come in our territory and try to change? And I, I can't think of many. And this to me is something where we're kind of crossing and changing some of their territory because they got to figure out how to feed it. So as long as they're on board, I, st- I think it can really work. I think in general, agronomists need to know more about nutrition than nutritionists need to know about agronomy. Just, well, I, you know, we, we kind of decide when to take alfalfa for the best quality, right? Right. Like we get those quality numbers from the nutritionist, but then it's our job to make sure, hey, that it comes we in. cut today. Yeah. We cut today. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. So we're used to crossing over a little bit. But like you say, you you don't want to. It's crazy that when Jeff Polinsky started this back in the 90s, he did both. Like he was an agronomist and a nutri- he did ri- nutrition. He his did you know that? Story? Yeah. Yeah. No, he would do, you know, right right rations i know of one veterinary you know a veterinarian in the middle of the state that he does nutrition and vet work um and i think that's a good thing in a way like when you see both perspectives but we've become so specialized in kind of these different disciplines of you know you're the veterinarian don't cross over but i would say 
that maybe is what changed the last 10 years is we communicate better and it's not each other throwing us under the bus. It's okay. How do we work together for this farm? Right. I would just like to say, we can't all be as good as Jeff. Yeah. No, I, big yeah. shoes, big shoes to fill there. <laughs> right. Right. So after you kind of get that, talk to nutritionist, um, just a few ideas of where to start, uh, is one idea is in your corn silage, replace some of those, say real droughty acres, um, maybe, maybe mainly droughty, uh, acres with like a forage sorghum, BMR forage sorghum, um, but something where you know corn probably isn't going to grow that well anyway, and you can you know put this other thing there that is going to grow well. Some ground that's uh, late drying all usually, but then it, do, it does stay dry once you get there, right. or it stays productive, but it takes a long time to get there in the spring, so the soil's nice and warm by the time you can actually get to planting it. That's a really good spot for those sorghum varieties. One other spot there is if you've got an alfalfa field that you're plowing down, um, you know, tr- sometimes we've taken a first crop alfalfa and going to corn silage, and right there you always kind of have a yield hit anyway, so a, another alternative is just to go right into sorghum um, and try that. And one good thing is you can spray dicamba on some of these forage sorghums, so which kills alfalfa. So there's some, there's not a lot of herbicide options, but there's some, and they can work. So that's a spot. Um, second idea where to start is to add some grass to your alfalfa, usually around two pounds an acre of a grass. Um, don't, yeah, just sort of kind of have that. There's some downs of that you know, with herbicides and other things that we can't use anymore. Um, but that little bit of grass can really kind of help in yield and even a little bit in quality, depending on which grass you select. Um, and then even like all of it in a new seeding alfalfa basket, say you put all your eggs in that basket, which we, when was that our egg idiom, all eggs in one basket? All our eggs in one. Yeah, it was a couple of weeks ago, yeah. So one thing we say is, you know, new seedings, they don't always all work out for alfalfa. And just maybe put some of those into a forage straight up grass, which should work. And like Max said, maybe you pick your wetter field for that. Um, you don't need the best acre to do that on. Yep. Um, and then treat it like a grass. Put manure on it. Um, you know, manage it f- properly for nitrogen. Well, that's a big one too, especially with dairies having that that Other opening window. to put manure out. Yep. And we've done that on alfalfa, but it's not as conducive. You know. Well, you don't want to do it, it in the, the new seeding year. You don't right. Beat up correct. The new seeding. You'll it up. Yep. So. Alfalfa isn't quite as hardy to truck traffic. Oh, right. We'll put yeah. it that Those way. Crowns we, well, we get enough. You're already doing harvest traffic, and then you come right back and yeah. hit it with it's, more traffic. It's, it's just not a... The truck traffic, and I think, in general, the grasses do a little bit better job working through that manure. Um, oh, they're built to be on a pasture where they got the, hooves dumping the, on them in a, you know, cow pies. And people do their best to spread manure, but every once in a while they drive a little too slow and it gets on a little too thick, or they overlap a little bit and it gets on a little too thick, and alfalfa doesn't take that very well where that grass tends to tends to work through that a little bit better yep and my last kind of idea i don't know i tried to be more have fun with this but you know cocktail mixes have been sort of the, all the rage and we've seen their ups and downs through the last couple of years <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um but there too is experiment on your own with a mix of you know maybe you want more italian rye versus the sorghum or sorghum sedan or clovers um, but come up with your own ratios, come up, you know, see what you can, you know, what can work on your farm. Um, but I think those kind of were looked at in those really wet years of 18, um, as sort of going to be like a savior for us. And, the, and it wasn't right because it and, got wet and right, cold again, right. which we were, I mean, we were, we were asking it to perform under yeah. conditions that 
no, we we threw it in like at like, hey, this is the fourth quarter, and we need you to yeah. like well, our main guy got hurt, go in and win us the Super Bowl. And the Sorghum Sedan is it. supposed to be the tonnage master in there, and Sorghum and Sedan likes it, relatively gets, warm, yeah, and relatively it cold. Dry. It just doesn't, and yeah. we had cold, yeah, and wet, yeah. We I mean, we couldn't grow corn because it was too cold and wet, and we thought, oh, Sorghum Sedan that'll work. You right, know, we right. we kind of you know it wasn't. Well, but that's a good point, Max. We weren't setting it up to succeed. We, didn't, we weren't we also, necessarily setting it up to fail. We didn't know we were going to have 40-degree nights in no, July either. Right. No, that's right. not, yeah, we weren't expecting the weather we got. But I guess give it a second chance, maybe is the right way to say it. And, yeah, and, absolutely. And put it in the right spot where it, you, well, know, where you want it to fit. It succeeded exceptionally well it, last year. It can do, yep. in, and it, that, it's a good, it's got to fit. Patch in for hayfields, you know, if you have uh, yeah. those holes in the hayfields, maybe you can do a mix, not just grass and... So yeah, that's um, ideas again for disadvantages. Whenever we talk about advantages, we always want to talk about disadvantages. I think the biggest one is the learning curve. We know how to grow corn extremely well. Alfalfa, we know how to go pretty well. These are just another thing we got to learn how to grow. We got to learn how to manage. Um, so I think that's a big disadvantage. Is, is yeah, we're spreading out our eggs in different baskets, which is good and diversifying, but then we just got to make sure we do our homework. Would you would you argue that some of these alternative forages are a little bit easier to grow than corn and alfalfa? I, I would They're, say they are, but I also would say we still got to You still give, need to know what's going on. We still got to manage them. Well, you, and it, you can't treat them like they're second class either. Correct. If yep. they need new, some sort of... It's almost like guys who are corn beans and like they worry about their corn to the nth degree and soybeans are just like, ah, whatever. It's like, no, if we put the same and, amount of and, effort in the soybeans as we did corn, it would help. Maybe it's not so much that they are easier to grow as much as it doesn't feel like there's as much pressure on them because they aren't as high of input crops as corn. I mean, you look at the inputs on corn and alfalfa, it's very high, where these in general are a little bit lower, I think. No, you, you can't use a lot of herbicide on a lot of these, so that helps, but... Yeah, so that's that's alternative forage. So I again, I what's frustrating with all this is I couldn't necessarily come up with a better name. So maybe we just gotta say forages and then be specific in sorghums and or ryegrasses, all the other stuff. Um, but I do think we we're rotationally we're, diverse forage. Yes, there you go. There you go. Max, do you got any? <laughs> He's thinking. Uh We've got another name because it's it's just N- been... NCA forages, non corn alfalfa forages. <laughs> I don't know. There you go. So, alternative forage. It's not a silver bullet. It's not going to fix all your problems, but it is something you can work into your rotation. Might be a good complement. So, a complementary forage, perhaps, is a. There good you go. Name Ooh, I like so. that. Compliments, but yeah. yeah okay, Matt figured it out. Yes. <laughs> so go out there and look at some complementary forages. All right. Now we'll move into our spotlight for today. So today we're looking at the SimPass system, which Todd stood for what again? Yeah, it was the Smart Integrated Multi-Product Prescription Application System. It's weird because it's multi-product so it and then prescription, so it should be like two Ps. They just got one in there. But yes, that's their... A new product that uh, Trimble kind of developed, and basically, if you look at it close, it, it what last year it won in sort of an award, um, new product of the year. Yes, new product of the year. So, 
looking at it, it'll be available in 2021. And it's kind of like these cartridges that you, there's like three cartridges per roll unit. Um, and you stick them in and then they can variably, variably apply um, both liquid and dry products, which is interesting. And you can use fungicide, nemicides, or micronutrients, and then it'll drop kind of in furrow. So either all three at the same time or one. Um, and basically on SimPass's website, it says it's a game-changing next-generation advantage farmers will need for better precision, better efficiency, and better results. Cartridge is the perfect word to describe these. These look like giant ink cartridges. They do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Printers, printer slow. Stick another one in. They're... What I can't decide is if this... I mean, it's a cool new product. It's good that we're diversifying. I'm looking at it from a... How do we write a prescription with this? And at planting, you know, like they show it. Well, you could, you know, variable rate a nematide, which is for nematodes. Yep. I, I don't know how we would know where the nematodes would and wouldn't be. I mean, nematodes prefer low spots, so maybe you could write a prescription that way. Um, micronutrients in general... Um, those aren't extremely variable. Does it say if they um, work with a monitor that's tracked their mounted to write scripts as it goes? Like what? It, like they plug into your yeah your monitor for your planner well, and I, then just you, you still have to yeah put in some you sort have of, to tell it though like, what oh the, yeah, a preloaded, definition of what you're trying to a do preloaded yeah. prescription is still necessary right? Is it it says the in this article that we listened to beta customers in 2020 and heard them talking about planting efficiency. And leaving the shed in the morning and only needing to swap out containers when they swapped out seed. So they wanted to make these cartridge systems something where you could swap in, like, oh, we, we know we've got an issue in this field. Like, rather than having to have the whole planter set up all the time for. Okay. Well, that, thing. that alone is worth something. Yeah. So that, that's kind of their, what they're trying to do with it. I know we talked um, at some point about having a mobile. Um, organic matter sensor on the tractor to help write scripts on the go. I didn't know if this is where no, this is, it, way, this is yeah. as far as it. I, if it's made but, it to this yet, I, I well, don't but you're right. Not, we but, we are getting technologies that will help us write these prescriptions better. You know, more sensing the fr- technology. The front of the planter senses writes the script by the time it gets to the back right. of the planter. It's and a then the yeah, eventually, I imagine different. you'll just have your like your seed inoculant on the planter, and then it'll measure certain things and say, okay, we we should inoculate or oh, you don't right need or inoculant. we don't need it right. Makes sense. So, it, I, I this is just shows our research efforts. Got, there's times we don't know why starters do and don't work. At times, you know, the research would show right. sometimes you did need a starter and sometimes you didn't. And I guess it'd be cool that we got to catch up to maybe even this technology of how do we write a prescription with this over the three products. So I just feel like too he'd be changing these cartridges a lot. I yeah, mean, it's they're only a, twenty pounds. Twenty, yeah, so. which. Which I feel like you'd be on there, and I don't know how you fill them or what. Unless I, they're talking really light rate applications. Oh, right, they are. They are yeah. talking oh, that all these I things. Mean, this that, is not going to be your straight starter. This is for sure be not your inferral. This is going to be a, yes, a boron a biological. That's that, you know, uh, yeah. point two point two three pounds to the acre. I mean, right. it's minuscule numbers. Correct. I imagine it'd be it'll be somewhat like you know. When you've got the individual boxes, you just lay the seed on the back of the planter in bags so you can dump it in. You could have cartridges lined up on the back of the planter right. to swap in and out. But, yeah, it depends how many acres you can cover with what you're trying to do in that 20 pounds. I mean, if you've got to swap cartridges every five acres that's, and you're trying to plant 80, that's going to get old pretty fast. 
and you're going to really rely on previous because when you're planting the crop, you don't know what insect pressure is going to be. You don't know right. what fungus or nematode pressure is going to be. So you're really going to be replying on relying on previous scouting to know like, well, this is a really bad spot or you know this area, and and maybe we'll get there with that technology. But I think it'd be hard to sort of guess what it's going to be. Scouting's important, Tom. Well, it's important, but it's also in general reactive, not proactive. Right. So, but cool product. Um, but we'll see how much real application we can get to it and, and kind of where it goes. Yeah, a lot of times these kind of things turn into something else, and right, know, it may we may find a niche where hey, if we can convert this to do X Y Z, then I honestly thought it was a to variable rate seat like sure. different. You'd put a different variety in each cartridge cartridge and then, and yeah. then it would like Ooh. that's what I thought when I initially saw it, and yep. then I saw well, no, it does it goes to this infro, but. That'd be kind of cool, but also that we're used to center field planters, or more of them are. But on a on a not center field planter where you got boxes, why why isn't it little individual you know right, things like that? And you type, could yeah. plug in these cartridges and have there. You probably only need two varieties. You wouldn't need three like this is. But yeah, that's what I thought it was when I initially looked at it. So like you say, Matt, I think this will drive some other pretty yeah. neat. It maybe the technology gets adapted more so than the actual function of this machine, but. All right, now we'll look into our Ag History Minute. Gotta love the banjo. All right, well, happy birthday, Mr. Yuck. It's the 50th birthday for the poison control sticker that Todd and I grew up with, and Max had no idea what it was. Uh, (laughs) Mr. Yuck was first introduced in Pittsburgh 50 years ago in 1971 to help children learn to avoid ingesting poison. Mr. Yuck was conceived by Dr. Richard Moriarty, pediatrician and clinical professor of pediatrics at the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine, who founded the Pittsburgh Poison Center and the National Poison Center Network. Moriarty felt that the traditional skull and crossbones representing poison was no longer appropriate for its children, as it was associated with swashbuckling pirates and the Jolly Roger. And who doesn't want to be a pirate? <laughs> so Todd's got a little oh yeah I brought commercial. Sam- I brought samples too for you Max so you can see I'm gonna be you can just, buy these on Amazon I'm just gonna yeah, be yucking things me. all over the house oh yeah you can just I'm gonna start cover all on. the beer cases in it so nobody else drinks <laughs> oh, them there, so there you go yep. Mr. Yuck it's poison <laughs> technically it is kinda so <laughs> I'm, gonna try, I'm gonna try it on my father-in-law see how it goes over do you remember what your parents had these on I remember yeah, like like cleaning supplies yeah like yeah, underneath yeah. the sink under some the sink of the type stuff yeah it would be it would be pretty much right on brand for my mom or dad to put it on like bags of candy or chips, yeah, like good things go. that are actually delicious, just that they didn't want to share. That would be you. right on brand for them. <laughs> yeah, and it's got like, a, yeah, just basically a green thing with a yucky face for people that have never seen one. And then like the poison control number on it and stuff. So just kind of a. I really do not. I do not remember these. Like these are not a thing for me. No. Yeah, yeah you must. So here's the commercial, like Matt said. Mr. Yuck is mean. Mr. Yuck is green. Home is full of lots of things that children shouldn't touch. 
home is full of bad things that can hurt you very much. Now there's a man whose face is green that you ought to get to know. He'll warn you when danger's coming fast or slow. Are you guys like scared of this thing? Get to know <laughs> like real, like I'm saying this is a scary promo right here. When you see it, you'll know quick. Things mark yuck, make you sick. Sick, sick, sick. Sick, sick, sick. Mr. Yuck. This commercial is very 70s, man. Yeah, yeah I can Mr. tell. Mr. Yuck is green. I don't remember the commercials when we were kids being quite that dark. No. It was more that, just That like, one's pretty savage. Yeah. That, that was would, like the That original. would scare small children. But What's what, the point of it? It was the point. <laughs> well, I know, but you'd be like, Mom, don't put those all over the house. It's going to attack me in the night. <laughs> Why are we even buying these yeah. products if you have to put this sticker right. on? <laughs> but no, it, it, the ones we had in the 80s and 90s, I think, were more upbeat-like. Hey, it's not cool to drink bleach, Bubba. You know, I, don't, I, I don't even remember a Mr. Yuck ad. I just remember the sticker. sticker we, yeah. just, we just had Smokey the Bear, and then we had, um, oh, there's a dolphin. Dolphin. A dolphin that was like Stranger Danger and stuff like that. Okay, yeah, we those were our those, Stranger Danger. No. We had give a hoot, don't Cecil. pollute. Cecil, <laughs> remember the do- that? Cecil the, the dolphin. dolphin. Yep. Cecil the dolphin. Cecil the dolphin. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Oh I'm yeah, we, it up. yeah. We had Smokey the Bear was around when we were kids. Give a hoot, don't pollute. I don't, did that owl have a name? I don't remember. Owls are used a lot in that kind of, you know, as being wise and yep, just being, wise old owl. Give a hoot, don't pollute. It's definitely not Cecil the dolphin. Maybe no. it's not Cecil. No. I, there was a doll. There was a doll. There was a doll. We we used to. Have it a comes dolphin. up with like Cecil Collins, a football player that played for the for, dolphins. For the dolphins, <laughs> <laughs> that's the closest. Uh, maybe it was him. Maybe he yes. had a head campaign. He dressed up like a dolphin. I'm trying to remember, I can't. Anyway, there you go. Well, great. But, if you like what you're hearing out there and. We're not yucky, I promise. You can go to naicc.org, and there you'll find a crop consultant in your area. We appreciate all our listeners out there. Thank you for tuning in and downloading. And all we ask is you tell a farmer friend about the podcast. Tell them you're going to have to show them how to download it. You're going to have to show them what it is. Uh, we're working on a bunch of other ways, getting on like an Amazon Alexa and some of your other podcasts uh, like Spotify but right now we're on Apple Podcasts, and then Android's got a lot of apps like Podcast Addict. There's others out there where you can find your podcasts. Matt, where can they follow us? You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tilth Talk Radio. All right, now it's our time for current events with Cool Beans That's Corny. So, Cool Beans? Cool Beans. Cool Beans? Cool Beans. Our Cool Beans this week. Tweaking corn kernels with CRISPR. So CRISPR, if you're not familiar with it, is a technology used to uh, edit genes of different plants and can be used in people as well to change things around. And corn has changed over thousands of years just through uh, different cultivations and hybrids. And now the DNA editing techniques with CRISPR can speed up the process of you know, for example, you know, when we think of Roundup Ready or uh, insect BT traits, that kind of thing. The one neat thing this shows is Cold Spring Harbor Labs is where this article is from. And they basically took the um, stem cell growth gene out of, like, required for kernel development. Um, and it's controlled 
by a set of genes called CLEs. So it doesn't really matter what, what it's actually called. But basically what they're saying is what's neat is they can kind of turn on or increase or decrease this gene, basically. Yep. So they got pictures of four cobs, like one normal, one where it's none, so they basically must turn the gene off, one where they decrease the gene, and there it's kind of like a big cob with kind of smaller kernels, and one where they increased it, and there it's kind of like a just really big kernels on a cob. Yep. Um, so anyway, what they're getting at, because this CRISPR is such a new technology, and we're just trying to find out what things do, so... I think you're going to see a lot of this where they're promoting certain regions that turn a gene on and just see what the heck happens. Well, yeah, like for, um, s- for soybeans, they'll try to turn off the the gene that causes white mold to, right, to pop in. To or, where you, yeah, so I, I think it's kind of neat that we're going to see these different different things targeted that way. So Yeah. Very cool. And our that's corny for this week is... Fexapan will not be available this year, so Corteva ah. has decided to pull back on the availability of Fexapan. They're still standing by their Extend lineup, and you'll have to get your products from other companies to spray on Extend, but they're hoping to uh, push Enlist technology more over the Extend. So Enlist being the 2,4-D tolerant Soybeans over the extend beans, which are the dicamba tolerant. It'd be interesting if next year Corteva will be selling all in this. Right. Yeah. Or if they'll still sell dicamba beans or not, because, yeah, it seems I'm like. I'm having very, very strong thoughts that they will not be. No, be I, w- all I would. It, and it does say you, there's other people that sell, you know, herbicides that have dicamba in them that you can spray on extend beans, but. It is unfortunate that when you're selling something like that, that you don't just sort of have all those options for farmers and stuff. So as we've talked to, we know that that can may may not be the long-term fix, but at least it's still a tool, you know, that the farmers can use, hopefully use properly. Yeah, as far as we know, other products will be available. Just Corteva is pulling Fexapan. So, So we'll see what happens as we get closer to planting season, which is just around the corner. Yeah. So, all right, let's wrap her all up then with our egg idiom for the week. Our egg idiom this week is haymaker. So, like the punch. Don't, don't like, be throwing haymakers. Like throwing haymakers. Gotten. Like I was saying that, um, actually, this was Bill's idea, who's not here today, but it was his idea. Is that he's like, we got to do haymaker, like the punch. Because he watched that. There was a YouTube video going around where the two football players, I can't think where they're from, and then oh, they picked a fight. Yeah, picked a fight with, with some like some cauliflower ear boys. Yeah, some wrestlers, <laughs> and they were quite a bit smaller. These two wrestler guys, and they were like, yeah, they basically the best picked a fight. It I was, love it because he shows the football player very obviously egging it on, and then the oh, the yeah. one wrestler turns the other one and just goes, "Which one you want?" And then it's <laughs> and then they it's just all out. and then it's and then it goes very very poorly for the large. He does man. a very interesting move where he kind of slaps him on one side and then just, just throws a lines up at the other. Yep, on the it was like just disrespectful. It, and then he and then he grabs him and throws him on the ground. It was weird because they were in like a bathroom of a bar. Yeah, they're in a bathroom right? of a bar. Which that's just you know, and then they're like basically wrestling on the ground of this bathroom <laughs> of the bar. Which... But college bars are so clean. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the the last it place was... you would pick up any sort of communicable disease is the not bathroom floor of a <laughs> college bar. So the haymaker um, basically comes from you know where where does why is that 
why do we call that punch the haymaker? But it was called it because of its resemblance to the wide swinging stroke of a, a scythe. I can't scythe. 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 So basically, you know, when people are out, um, you're like a good haymaker when you could really throw that scythe kind of real good back and forth. So basically that punch came from that is people, you know, watching them out in the field and obviously that motion similar. It's similar, but I wouldn't say it's the same. Um, so basically, you know, the one who's really good at sort of out there cutting the grass or out there cutting your alternative forage, um, he's good at haymaking, and he probably can throw a good haymaker punch at the same time. Well, if, yeah, if you're throwing throwing bales and cutting hay and doing everything else, you probably got a little strength built up. Yeah, so. big old sweeping right hook, right? Right. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for this week. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us, Matt. So this week we talked about complementary forages, also known as alternative forages, options that you can work in to diversify your crop rotation. In our spotlight, we looked at the SimPass system, a cartridge-based product that allows you to do variable rate on the go. Egg History Minute, we talked about the 50th birthday of Mr. Yuck, a poison control sticker. Cool Beans was crisper for editing corn jeans, and That's Corny was Fexapan will no longer be on the market for this growing season. And we wrapped it all up with our Ag Idiom of the Week. So hopefully you don't feel the need to throw a haymaker, but this week is done. Thank you for listening, and as always, happy farming.